0: WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day.
1: Welcome back. Well, old Ernie and Jerry Pyle have left Washington again on their greater quest in search of whatever flotsam and jetsam the road may bring. Yet an answer hangs in the balance to a question they don't know is being asked. That answer is yes. Yes, it is possible for two people to be on the same journey while on two different trips.
2: Hello, this is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. You and what army?
1: Welcome back to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 12. The Simple Proposition.
2: Please stop drumming on the dashboard. You haven't interviewed a lot of women, you know. That doesn't make any sense. I want to know why you don't. Of course I do. What are we talking it's about? been a while. That doesn't mean I never do. Stop it,
3: please. What are you afraid of?
2: Leave me alone. You
3: don't think women have anything interesting yes, to go say? go write
2: your own column if you want to say. This
3: is my column! I'm getting a little tired of you doing whatever the hell you All want with right. it. All right,
2: can we calm down, please? I'd rather not crash this car at the moment. Stand in there getting your picture taken. What,
3: now? Yeah, for some wing dig gets a new brownie, have to stand still for him. I feel like idiots staring back at him. For what?
2: A photo, I guess. What's that? I have no idea.
3: Boy, I don't either. I'm fat sitting next to me, puts, puts his hand around your waist. Like, it's a natural thing to do. reach put his hand on me. It's just a photo. Hey, everybody, everybody, it's a photo. Put your hands where they don't belong.
2: How does this have to do I'll with... I'll tell you what
3: it have to do with. You ever been standing there for a photo in some fat, greasy, sweaty, mustard-loving old pervert?
2: Mustard? Yeah, love. he's
3: got mustard all down his tie.
2: Uh, okay. Probably
3: from two days ago, a street corner, yellow-billy mustard. Kind of disgusting man he is. Is this
2: someone that I know? You know all of them. Well, I try not to. He's
3: stands next to me inching his way over squeaking his little patent leather feet toward mine so his hip can be touching mine. When did this happen? It always happens. He pulls his shoulder All out right. of his suit coat loosening his arm like he's Mel Ott. He's gonna get ready to hit a home run oh, and then oh he doesn't just put his arm around me no he slides it down my back down the small of my back the whole way reaching around across my arm his little fat stubby fingers get a mint full of my boob. Oh
2: boy. He, think it's fun. No, I, I... And he don't. yanks
3: me over, He stands her like it's just right as rain. This is how everybody stands together, don't you know? This photo comes out, my dress is covering his hand, and nobody's the wiser.
2: Jerry, can you stop? I can! Uh, hey! Hey, Gene Krupa! Where
3: the hell are we?
2: New Jersey. Where are we headed? Hudson River Valley. I approve. Okay then. No,
3: I said I approve and that's it. You don't get to approve what I approve. Alright. Even that sounds like you're making approvals of my approvals that's my decision. Get down here. You're running cake from the basement. Oh, those are bunnies. bunnies. They're old old men limping around. Cigars farting right in front of us. We had to go to
2: Didn't want to get caught anywhere. Is oh, this alone. when you went to Washington? That's when they found the out war? I could type and
3: got locked up in the office with one of them as Catholic? Yeah, he's all right. Mass every day. I lucked out compared to some of my friends. Boy, did he think he was smart. Dictate a letter to me. And I have to correct his grammar as I went along. Then he'd read it after and argue that I clipped his run on sentences. And he had a no business in that job. And I made him look like a sitting president.
2: I bet you did, yeah
3: whole world is like that, Ernie, but I'm me, and I will not be a George Sand. If they don't want me, I will not pay them one moment of my time. I am not change enough for anybody. And I'm going to find you a woman to interview. No, you're not. Stop telling me what to do. Please stop. Don't tell me what to do! Right here, pull over. You're interviewing her.
4: You...
2: Oh, boy. Well, hello. Um, I'm sorry. Your name again?
5: Edna Craddock.
2: Edna Craddock. Thank you for playing along, Edna. I'm Ernie.
5: I figured I should. That woman is very insistent.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she is. She's my wife.
5: You always let her walk all over you like no, that?
2: No, I. No. <laughs> well, she isn't always like that.
5: Is she. She seems. Erratic. Is she stable?
2: What do you mean by stable? Mentally. Oh, well, uh, yeah, yes.
5: My brother went to the Mayo Clinic. Doctors here at home said he was schizophrenic. Hmm. Anyway, they lobotomized him.
2: Oh. Oh, wow, well, did that work for him?
5: Worked out well for us, not for him. What a handful he was. He's at my folks now. He sleeps a lot.
2: (laughs) I could use some sleep myself.
5: So why does she want you to talk to me? She said you were famous.
2: Oh, well... Look, she she always says stuff like that whenever she's...
5: Drinking? Well,
2: yeah, if it were just drinking, I think I could handle it.
5: Oh, heroin.
2: No, no, oh no, no, not heroin.
5: Is one thing better than the other?
2: No, babe, I don't know.
5: I guess some are tolerated more than others.
2: Sure, I suppose. suppose.
5: What is she tolerating at the moment?
2: Uh, Well, what she does... Edna, I thought I was supposed to be interviewing you.
5: That's what your wife said. I didn't agree to anything. (laughs) I tell you. My brother used to take all sorts of drugs, and drink. Before the visit to the Mayo Clinic, they sent him for the Lexington Cure. Oh, He didn't much care for that. No, I
2: don't suppose anyone would.
5: My folks had a lot of money at one time. Mm -hmm. They still think they can buy their way out of most situations. But they couldn't buy my brother into changing his ways until they put him down like a dog.
2: Oh. Well... I'm sorry to hear that. I... I can't imagine... My my family life had always been so predictable. Stability had an innate hold over all of us. My mom, dad, and me. There was never any yelling. Nobody yelled it. I took that for granted. That's for darn sure. We get mad at each other, but we kept level heads. Now, I sure wish she and I had a little bit of that.
5: Well, you're not dealing with a person anymore. You're dealing with the demons. Mayo Clinic thought they were dealing with a person, too. Hmm.
2: I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting a little uncomfortable here. I'm, I'm not sure what to do. This is getting a bit strange for me. I think I'll pack up.
5: Not sure why you keep turning tail. Someone has to face it.
2: Well, did you face it with your brother?
5: No. And because of that, I feel I should have. Maybe stepping in and saying something at the time wouldn't have worked either. I don't know. But I didn't. So my advice leans the way it does out of guilt, I guess. Sure. I left it all to my folks. They got the brunt of it. I feel pretty low about that still. I left them hanging out to dry.
2: You on good terms now with your folks? Yes. Good. That's good. I miss having family around. I wonder what they're up to all the time.
5: Live far apart, do you?
2: Yes, I do.
5: Feeling nostalgic?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, well, see, uh, Jerry, my wife, she always says, finding yourself nostalgic for something before you've left it is the meaning of life.
5: What does that mean?
2: You don't know what that means?
5: You don't know what that means? It makes sense to me. Does it? Does it? I don't know <laughs> trying to get back to something are you, I hate you. Well looks like my train is coming.
2: Yeah, uh-huh
5: for what it's worth. Oh, I Wouldn't throw her away But you do need to find a way to keep her
1: Jerry sits in the car, talking to the machine, and watching as Ernie gets an interview outside.
3: Hello, my boyfriend. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime Jim. Hello, Jimmy boy. You want to talk? Well, we made it up to a town on the Hudson River. Newburgh, New York. Beautiful place. Haunting. Supposed to be some nice dress shops up there. I've heard of this place. The girls in Manhattan like to come up here, get their dresses, bunch of dress shops. So, I think I might see about a new dress. Ernie's gonna buy me one. He just doesn't know it yet. Ernie's got some talker here on the sidewalk and he won't shut up. Ooh, he's checking his pockets for another tobacco pouch. He's out, hold on. Ernie! Ernie, you looking for this?
2: Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Your wife? That's my wife, yes. Ma'am. So what, are you two just passing through? Yes. Just passing through. Nice car. Oh, thank you very much. Sure.
6: Yeah. So you were saying? I was saying, oh, I'm a craftsman, not a handyman. I can't be wasting my time using inferior materials. I do things the right way, the old way. I have very few apprentices on my jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't waste my time with stupid apprentices. Look, a lot of these guys will pad their crews with apprentices, have maybe one or two actual tradesmen on the floor at any given moment. Not me. Uh Look around. Any of these buildings that you were talking about, none of them, None of them built with fly by night, give me a handout, cry me around Oh, times are so hard. What do I do? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh boy. Cry babies. To drink too much. Can't get to work on time. Slow as molasses. <laughs> I mean really. How old are you? You old enough to have been in the war? Uh the war. Well, I, I missed it. Almost though. So. missed it?
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, all right. Well, some of these guys right here, let me tell you, could have went and didn't. Oh, I I went. I was getting ready for basic training and it ended. I guess that's fair enough. But see, these contracts they're handing out now? Some of these guys have a habit of skimping. I mean, you have to match the quality of the other building eras. This isn't some boom town now. This is Newburgh, the pearl of the Hudson. If we start making some of these skyscrapers here, forget it. You don't want skyscrapers here. That says you think you're more important than the beauty of the Hudson. Can't do that, Ernie. Not here. How many guys on your crew? I got two crews, three in a pinch, four and five when necessary. Okay. Yeah, 150 guys, solid. Mm-hmm. I get more when necessary. You don't need them all at once, mind you. I mean, you can't bring the plasterers in before the walls are up. You know oh, what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I have to keep jobs, you know, going all the time. Banks aren't in the game of lending right now, but Roosevelt's in a giving disposition. You know, he's from right across the river, don't you? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hyde yeah. Park is up past yeah, Poughkeepsie, Hyde Park. Yeah. yeah, sure. Other side.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe
6: that has something to do with today. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's a Hudson River guy. Today, they're handing out contracts for seven buildings upstairs here at City Hall. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it is good. I have a good idea. I'm going to get about half of those. You're confident? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say I'm confident. This
2: is a game. It's all a game. Wow. Sounds like you're more than confident, then.
6: Yeah. (laughs) A little birdie told me something, you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're more than just a handyman. I'm a craftsman. Mm Mm-hmm. Say, hey, what... Is your wife holding a sausage? Uh...
6: What is that in your wife's hand? Well, let me explain Say, mister, what are you trying to pull? I'm gonna tell you what... Hey, what now, she's what's she... In her what's hand she doing? There. What's she got in... Yeah, what is this? It, it who are you? Just settle down now. What are you, let me a, tell pinko?
2: you. Hey, I'm not a pinko? Hey, fellas, look what we got over here. We got a, a, of a pinko. Get your hands off of me now. I'm not a pinko. Get your hands get off off on it. I'm not a pinko. Get your hands off of me. Get of I am not a bad person
6: You would just stop and listen to me.
2: Get your hands
0: off of me. Get your hands off of me. Get your hands
1: off of me. Well, let go of my coat. You would let go I'm coat. I get out of here gladly.
5: I have never in my entire life been treated like this. Get in here, car. Get in a car. Get in here,
1: car.
2: Come on, man. Stop it! You want to get me killed? No, I'm Did you see sorry, the size of that guy's? Jesus, Look, neck I is the just... size of both my legs. Oh, he had muscles on his wrists. I've never seen that. What were you thinking? Oh, it was interesting. Interesting. He was. He was interesting. Oh, somebody smeared jelly donut on the back <laughs> window. You make this stuff up. It's incredible. He was interesting. You almost killed me. I don't think
3: anybody would care.
2: You can't just record people without them. knowing. if don't
3: know it, you can. What's the harm? I'll
2: tell you what the harm is. Getting choked by a mouthful of wrist (laughs) muscles.
3: Okay, let's go get a drink.
2: No, you're not having another drink.
3: What do you mean another?
2: What do you mean? What do you mean? You've been at it all day. No, I don't know. What? Every time I look away, you're knocking one back.
3: Well, I wouldn't if you weren't keeping score all the time.
2: I don't care if you drink. I don't. I don't know. I just care about being mistreated by you when you. I
3: don't mistreat you.
2: No, you just leave a microphone dangling out the car door on the sneak and record people that'll hurt me for it. I'm worried about your health.
3: Mind
1: your own business! After 10 hours of driving, Ernie has had enough. He just might be at the end of the road. With Jerry passed out in the car, he stands, smoking a cigarette, staring at the moon's reflection on the Hudson.
2: I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. She finally took a downer and fell asleep. She's in the car with her chin in her chest. I'm somewhere along the Hudson in New York. Albany's nearby, my best guess. It's midnight, I'm standing on the banks, looking across at some Hamlet, just enjoying the damn quiet. Started this morning in DC and that's a long haul. I just kept driving. It's just too much of a hassle putting her in front of people right now. Would've gotten a room. I just don't want to keep driving. I'm seeing things. I'm nodding off. So here we are, without a home, feeling lonely. My home is America.
3: What are you doing? No, 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 this is my boyfriend. You can't talk no, to a person's go boyfriend. Go back to the car. The you can't leave it here. Quiet. This is my boyfriend. You can't leave me. I was just the talking. Get not the road. Do you have to have a drink? It's not hurting you. Go back you. to the car. Thing. Well, no, you don't. You don't lick it. You know, Forget you. He's my boyfriend now, and he'll have a drink when he wants to, you fat-faced mustard eater. You don't know, lick mustard off me, you rat. He's a writer, you mustard eater, you. It's, it's not a recording, people. It's, what the hell? Get out of our way!
2: Of course, of course. Excuse me, my dear.
3: Don't. My dear, me. me you crooked nose at me, Pete Parker. We're doggone writers. Don't touch me, you traitor.
1: Back at the pile apartment, Washington, D.C., the very next morning. Jerry. Uh,
2: so if you're listening to this, that means you got my note. After you fell asleep, I don't know why I'm telling you this. You're not going to remember. Anyway, yesterday we left home. We made it as far as Albany, New York. You were not yourself, not yourself the whole time, so you're in no shape to do this, Geraldine. You have to take care of yourself, and I have a job to do, so, and I need my family. So quit all of this, and come back to me, would you, for crying out loud? I need you. This work needs you. You need you. Is this life so bad that you have to... Am I so bad a man? Am I? Why, Jerry? Are you jealous of me? Why so angry? Oh. oh, boy. We could have so much fun. I'll be gone a few weeks, maybe a month. I'm I'm going to do the Ohio tour request. I'm, I'm going to do it good and thorough, too. Then I swear we'll never have to go back there again. Believe it. Anyway, when I pulled up the car... Here, the the mailman was, uh, he greeted me with a letter from my mother. I kind of changed my mood. Then I I put you to bed and I was in a writing mood, so I typed this out, all right? I'm going to drop it off to Lee before I leave. My mother wrote me that they had a new car. Well, not exactly a new car, she said, but it was pretty. A new car had been discussed for more than six months. My father and mother were to trade in their old car, and Aunt Mary, who was finally coming over to live with them, was to pay the cash balance. There had been some difference of opinion over what the new car should be. Finally, the weight of approval seemed to crystallize in Aunt Mary's choice, but they reckoned without the shoe dealer from Clinton. I don't know how he heard about them, but one day he pulled up in their driveway in last year's car. He had driven it only 5,000 miles, and it was a plum green color and very shiny, and the minute my folks saw it, everything was off. Let's go to Indianapolis and show it to your sister, the shoe dealer said. So my folks got on their good clothes and they climbed in and drove the 80 miles to Indianapolis. They got there just at lunchtime. Aunt Mary was so glad to see them at first, she didn't notice the car. They all stayed for lunch. My mother had taken over three frying chickens, a cake, and a quart of cream, so they wouldn't be imposing on the people Aunt Mary worked for. After lunch, they all went for a ride in the car. Aunt Mary was a little hard to sell, but my family and the shoe dealer pointed out to her such indispensable added attractions as the cigar lighter. Nobody in the family smoked. The two windshield wipers, the radio... I was ready to bet that within a week my father would get to listening and run the car into a ditch. The two taillights, nobody who is anybody has a car with just one tail light nowadays, you know. And the curved nickel shields for the rear tires. Mother pointed out especially the beautiful plum green color of it. She didn't tell me in the letter whether the car had an engine or not. Anyway, the gadgets won, and the upshot was that when they left for home, the shoe dealer had sold his automobile. I think I need to add a little bit more to this here, and uh, uh, what do you think, is that too sappy? I don't, I don't know. I need a few more paragraphs, so I'm gonna be working on it. Anyway, I, sh- I sure do need you right now, girl. I'm gonna drop this off at the office on my way out of town, but Folks will be checking in on you later. The doctor's coming. Amelia said she'd bring a doctor by. So it'll be good to see Amelia, won't it? I'll call in the next day or so, but... You know how I feel about you, so...
1: Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment...
3: I am very angry,
2: Ernest. Drinking as much as you do will kill you. I am a nurse. I see it all the time. I know why you left me at home.
3: I was so very happy to be back in the car with you. I celebrated too much. Is that what you want? Do you want to be forgotten about? I already am. But do you want to be? Writing is important to you. I don't want to take that away in any way. Just leave me alone. I will.
2: Just as soon as you tell me what
3: you want. What do you think of me, Ernie? What am I to you? Hey, Rosie! I want something!
1: I'm Dan V. Prescott, wishing you would take heed of this advice. The good road will never end if you can only stay on it.
4: The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 12, The Simple Proposition. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Edna, Stephanie Park. Tom, Ryan Artsberger. Thug One, Russell McGee, Thug 2, Nicholas Crone, Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm, Carry On and On, Peter Spellows, Executive Producer at WFIU, John Bailey, Sound Director, Script Editor, and Co-Executive Producer, Russell McGee, Writer, Director, and Co-Executive Producer, Michael Brainerd, Sound Design, Chancellor Edmiston, Composer, Ryan Chase, Music Assistant, Francis Crishone, Foley artists Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org.
0: WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. (coughs) I'm Carrie (coughs) O'Nanen. You might be wondering, what's going on with the sound of my voice? Last night I was involved in what they used to call a a good old-fashioned Donnybrook. A young girl, all of seven years, recognized me and, and... called me that Name. I turned to her father, and I kindly requested he muzzle his presumptuous little progeny when the unruly little Dickens jumped on the half wall in front of the First Christian Church and enthusiastically karate-trapped me right in the wire of shinks. Now Bloomington, I'm not a proud man, but I certainly think a lot about myself because I am Carrie O'Nanen. You will bend to my will, or I shall do something. And to the children of Bloomington, I'll tell you this. Right now, I will defend myself. This is my (coughs) livelihood we're talking about.